turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 12? As you're turning there, let me just say we have been on a series called All In for those of you that are just joining us, which is really just a study in the book of Acts. But before we dive in, let me just reiterate something that I've said many times throughout this series, and that is um, our purpose in going chapter by chapter throughout the book of Acts isn't just to give us a historical account of the church. Like God didn't send his word so that we would be historically informed, but rather so that we would be spiritually transformed. And then if the book of Acts is anything, it's an account of the, the early church by the power of the Holy Spirit, then going and spreading the good news of Jesus to the whole world. And it was written as an example of how we should live by us putting Christ first in our life, surrounding ourselves with some good, authentic community, and building God's causes. Come on, does that sound familiar right there? But we do all of that even in the midst of the difficulties that we face and the persecutions that we read about. And the cool thing that I love is that as the church did these things, like we began to see countless of thousands come to know God. And I mention this because God's purpose for the church then, it hasn't changed. God desires that we live a Christ-first life, one that is centered around prayer, worship, and devotion. He desires that we surround ourselves with the community of the saints and that we be unified and devoted to one another in order that we would fulfill his purposes here on earth. And so let me just say that as we read throughout the book of Acts, I want you to think about how your life can come more in a line with the things that we read about here. Knowing that God, he wants to work both in us and, and through us in powerful ways, in supernatural ways, by us trusting him that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to his power, which is at work within us. Can someone say amen? Okay, so let's dive in. In Acts chapter 12, should be there already. We're going to read maybe first five verses. The scripture says, About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church, come on, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. If you've been following along in our All In series, or if you've even read the book of Acts before, you'll see this steady stream of persecution that's increasing against the church. Like what started as just people making uh, fun of or laughing at Christians in Acts chapter 2 during Pentecost has now led to at least two Christians that we know of, Stephen and James, um, being killed. And I want to highlight what we see here 
at the beginning of Acts chapter 12 because the persecution that we're about to read, like this is as much alive today as it was back then, maybe even more so. Now watch this because I know that that's going to be hard for some of you to understand because here we live in America. We live in, in, in a country that, though it's not perfect, it does afford us um, the freedom to be able to practice our faith. But watch this. That's not the case for many of our brothers and sisters who are even watching online right now. Let me just share with you a few statistics so that you are aware of some of the things that are happening even today all around the world. Because while you may think that persecution is declining around the world, that couldn't be any further from the truth. It is still increasing. It has not stopped since the book of Acts. For example, Open Doors, which is a nonprofit organization that supports persecuted Christians and uh, tracks their activity, reported that an estimated 300 and 40 million Christians are experiencing high, very high, and or extreme levels of persecution. Now, just to put that number in perspective, that's greater than our country's population, which is about 334 million as of like January 2023. So imagine... If almost everyone that you know, everyone here in our country at least, was experiencing high, very high, or extreme levels of persecution. That meant everywhere you went, including yourself, you could drive all the way to the West Coast, and everywhere that you saw someone, that would mean that they were being persecuted. Like 340 million, that's about equivalent to one in eight of Christians worldwide. Now, again, I bring this to your attention for, for really two reasons. One is because we're not promised that we're going to have the same freedoms that we have here today. I know that we believe that we live in, in a, a country that says we have free speech, um, but if you recall from one of my earlier messages in this series, I cited to you case after case after case, hundreds of them, of people who have been arrested in our own country for simply sharing their faith. And just to remind you of one of those cases, in case you don't re remember it, one of those cases was someone who was, and I investigated it to make sure that this was legitimate, a guy was standing on the, the uh, street corner and was just reading his Bible out loud. And by out loud, he wasn't screaming. He didn't have a megaphone. He was simply reading. He wasn't even adding his commentary. He was just reading the Bible out loud. And as a result, he was violently harassed by members of a pride parade. And then they arrested the Christian because they said he was inciting violence. And all he was doing, there's a video of it, was just reading the Bible. Now, if you're here and you're thinking, well, maybe he shouldn't have been reading the Bible at a pride parade. Really? 
Like, I hope you're not thinking that because that's exactly what the world wants you to believe. Oh, you can read your Bible, just read it in a church. Oh, you can read your Bible, but just read it at the homes. But I want you to imagine if the disciples had kept the message of Jesus just in their homes and just in their churches. And they didn't take it into the marketplaces. They didn't take it into the streets and to every city. You know what? I'll tell you this. We wouldn't be able to call the book of Acts, Acts. You know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Maybe I have to call it like facts or something. Because the fact would be that would have been the death of Christianity. This gospel message was never intended to be confined to just your homes and your churches. I should get more than one amen out of that. Because Jesus said, if you got a problem with it, take it up on my king. He said that we're to shout this message from the rooftops. It's time that we take off our secret service Christianity badge and we start declaring who we are. Church, if revival is going to happen in 2023, it's going to be when, because each and every one of us rise up to be the people that God has called us to be. And we speak truth. And when we speak truth, we're going to see men free. But the revival's got to begin with you and I. Look, most Christians, the only impression they ever leave is right here in their seats. But it's time to start a meaningful conversation with people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, it's not that hard. I understand some of you are introverted. I understand that some of you say, I may not know what to say. Look, all you got to do is just open the door and trust God. Are you with me? You don't have to be a preacher. Look. The Bible says that we're all to do the work of evangelists. We're all called as ministers. Are y'all with me this morning? Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Where did he say to go? To our homes and to our churches? Guys, this is just a time of equipping. That's my job, by the way, as a pastor, to equip you for the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 6. Right? And then you've got to go out, and you, we've, then we've all got to, then I've got to step outside of being a pastor, and I've got to be a believer, and then I've got to go and practice what I preach, right? Where did he say to go? Into all the world. Who did he say to preach the gospel to? All creation. And I said that there are two reasons that I'm highlighting the persecution that we see here in Acts. The first reason is to recognize that persecution is only going to increase, even here in our country. And the reason for that is simple. And it's the second reason uh, that we're talking about persecution, and that is to remind you, are you with me? We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Are you aware of that, church? Every day of your life, there's never a time that the enemy calls, calls a, a pause. You ever watch two people in a fight, somebody's just sitting there beating the fire out of one of them, one of them goes, hold on, man, hold on, pause, pause. Anybody ever seen that happen? Yeah, I've been in a fight like that. I'm like, I don't think so, man. Boom, I got the upper. That's the enemy. 
You ain't allowed to call pause on him. He's always trying to come against us. And so we've got to always be constant, always be alert. Because our adversary, the devil, he's seeking to and fro, trying to find someone to devour. His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. But thank God we've got the spirit of God. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. Somebody help me. But we've got to understand and recognize we are in a spiritual battle, friend. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's It's so important that we understand that and recognize that or else We're going to be fighting the wrong battle because our enemy is not people. Are you hearing me? It's Satan and his demonic influences. And this battle, it's not going to end until Christ returns. But again, be mindful that the battle isn't against those who persecute you. They are simply being used as a tool by the powers of darkness. Y'all with me? Y'all catching this, church? Be sure you catch this. The past 2,000 years have shown us that persecution is ever increasing. And let me just say this. If you desire to live a godly life, you are going to face persecution. Now, if you don't believe that, then let me just tell you what the Bible says about it. 2 Timothy 3, 19. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. Wow. Now, watch this. If you're here and you're saying, well, Pastor, I've been a Christian for years, and I've never faced any kind of persecution as a Christian. I think you're just overselling this whole persecution thing here. Well, you might want to examine whether you're really living a godly life. I mean, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Like God's word says, in fact, everyone. Who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I posted this on social media. I think it was probably a month or so ago. But I said, if Jesus preached the same message that some pastors preach today, he would have never been crucified. But watch this. I don't want to just pick on my pastor friend. So let me restate it this way. If the apostles would have preached the same message that many Christians do today, they would have never been martyred. Because what we have today is Christians who say things like, well, I'm just waiting for an open door to be able to share Christ with them. Watch this. And I get that, right? I I understand about timing and all that. But watch this. Many Christians have been waiting for that door to open for so long that the doorknob is now rusted. (laughs) Hello? The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Church, I feel a stirring to say to you this morning, it's time for us to rise up and to be the people that God has called us to be. Hey, he has called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. Today is the day of salvation. But the only way that others are going to know about this is if you and I tell them. And yes, telling a lost world about Jesus will bring about persecution. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now back to Acts. 
Persecution was increasing against Christians. Stephen and James have been killed. And it said that those executions, they, they pleased the Jews. And so they arrested Peter. They put him in prison with plans of bringing him out to the people once the Passover was over. Now, no one knows exactly what would have happened whenever Herod, uh, if he would have brought Peter out uh, to the people, but I can tell you that they weren't having a uh, posada, okay? All right? Y'all are looking at me like, what's that? That's a Mexican party, all right? So they, didn't, they weren't planning no posada. If they were, it was because Peter was going to be the pinata. Are y'all with me? But God had other plans. Verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church. What would have happened if that had never happened and it was never written? If the church didn't do anything, if the church didn't respond, if the church didn't step up, if the church didn't sign up and help the children in the children's ministry because there was no one there to speak and mentor or pour into their life. I'm just saying, I'm not manipulating, I'm preaching the truth. Are you with me this morning? Because how are they going to know unless someone is teaching them? Guys, it's time for us to pour into the younger generation. I'm grateful for our younger generation that's here. Some of them are doing more than some of you guys, a lot of you guys. That's not condemnation. That's not, well, maybe it's calling you out a little bit, but it's calling you up. I'm saying let's step up. It's not, it's not a, oh, man, man, you're beating me up. You're stepping on my toes. No, I'm just saying you are called for greatness. And everything in life, it falls under like one big umbrella called to know him and to make him known. Y'all with me this morning? It says, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And can you just feel the passion here in, their, in the urgency in their prayers? Like, can you sense their, their desperate need for God's intervention? Friends, this is the kind of praying that we still need in our church today. Prayer that is, that is uh, earnest, that is full of faith, and that is persistent. James 5, 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Other scripture says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love the New Living Translation, which says it has great power, and it produces wonderful results. And then my favorite, the ESV, I'm a fan of the ESV, says it has great power as it's working. And the reason I love the ESV, which is probably my favorite translation of that, is because it gives insight into how prayer works. So you may have prayed for something, and it may not have happened right away. So don't think that your prayer didn't work. No, it is working, meaning that the purpose of God has to also align with the timing of God. I've seen so many believers who give up praying simply because something didn't happen the exact way that they wanted it to happen or in the timetable in which they wanted it to happen. But remember that us trusting God in prayer is for us to trust him to do what only he can do and to trust him not only how he wants to do it, but also when he wants to do it. Are you with me? Like, for example, I don't know if I'm inspired to give this 
particular illustration. Maybe this is for someone. You may not have gotten approved for that loan, even though you prayed that you would. But could it be that God had something better? Could it be that God knew something that you didn't know? Like perhaps he knew that it wasn't the right time for you to buy that car or buy that house. Or perhaps he wants to redirect you to a a, a better lender or maybe to a, a later time in order that you could get a better interest rate. Or perhaps God knows that the price on that car or that house, and boy, they sure are dropping, aren't they, right? (laughs) I think that's a word for someone. It's about to drop. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that there are practical ways that prayer has great power as it's working. Look, I can't count the times that I've pursued things like, oh, let's just say a church building. And then someone came and bought it out from underneath my feet. (laughs) Or we didn't have the money to buy it. Or the financing didn't come through. And so trust me whenever I say that I can understand having feelings of disappointment. But church, he holds the keys of David. He opens the door that no man can open. He shuts the door that no man can shut. And if we're going to trust God for open doors in our life, then we better be trusting him for the closed ones as well. Are you with me? Look, we're at this place right now with my wife. It's been an entire year now that she hasn't been able to to fully speak as uh, she would like. Because our vocal cord was paralyzed, for those of you who don't know. Um, and we're actually at the point now to where the doctors say that the chances of it working again naturally are really low. But that's okay, because what can not happen in the natural can happen in the supernatural. Are you with me? I told my wife the other day, I said, baby, that's okay, because she's a little discouraged. And it's okay to be discouraged every once in a while. We just don't stay in that place, Right. Right, But I said, baby, that's okay. I said, it's been a year now. Now that it's been a year, you can tell folks I went a full year not having my voice. I said, it's just a story that God's building up. And yeah, I know the numbers say that it's slow. But now you're entering into miracle territory. You've heard me say it so many times, and I'll continue to do so. Everyone wants a miracle, but no one wants to be in a position to have to receive one. You want a miracle? Huh? Hands didn't fly up like they normally would when I say, do you want a miracle? Now they're like, I don't know about that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Guess what? We're still believing for a miracle. And I believe she's going to get it. We still believe in the prayer uh, or the power of prayer. We still believe that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. We still believe that it is working. Why am I telling you this? Because I want to encourage you to not give up praying. I know that there's some of you here that you have had closed doors after closed doors. I know there's some of you here that it feels like you've been waiting for a long time. And I know that it's easy to just give up and to believe, well, this is just how it's got to be. But I want to remind you guys We serve a God that when everything looks like it's dead and gone, he's a God who resurrects. We serve a God who spoke and galaxies were formed. 
And we serve a God who came to earth and to offer his life as a sacrifice so that you and I could ask anything in accordance to his will. And not only will he hear you, but he will answer you. He just may not answer you in the way that you expected him to answer you and in the timing. But God always answers prayers. That's what we see here in Acts chapter 12 with, with Peter. He's been arrested. He's been placed in jail, probably for the purposes of being executed once the Passover was over. But the church prayed. They prayed earnestly for him. It wasn't a half-hearted prayer. It wasn't a, let me check my box. It wasn't just a one-and-done prayer. But they were praying with intensity, sincerity, and persistency. With deep conviction and desire for God to intervene. They knew that if Peter was going to come out of this thing alive, it was going to require God. You know, I believe that in life, God oftentimes allows us to be in situations where we have no control over the outcome. Meaning that no matter how hard we work, how smart we think we are, or who we know, only God can change the situation. Maybe some of you are at that very place in your life right now. Like you're faced with something where despite your very best efforts, kind of like the woman with the issue of blood, right? Remember that one? Nothing's changed. But watch this. That's okay. Because what's impossible for man is possible with God. Let's keep reading Acts 12, verses 6 to 11. The scripture says, now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought that he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left them. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people and what they were expecting. Now, as I said earlier, what's impossible for man is possible with God. Watch this. Herod, like in his very best efforts, tried to keep Peter in prison. The scripture says that he was keeping him between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries were guarding the prison door. I love this story because it highlights the truth that no matter what it is that the devil may try to do to you, God gets the final say. Now, what's that mean practically for you and me? That means that even though you may have some chains on your life that's been preventing you from moving forward, those chains don't have to be a life sentence. It means that even though there are those that are actively working against you, maybe in your family, 
maybe in your job or even in your faith. God's word remains true that greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. But I want to dial in on something that's easily overlooked. If you remember, the scripture says that at first Peter wasn't really sure as to what was happening to him, as to whether it was God or not. And watch this, and in our walk with Christ, there will be times where we're not 100% sure as to what God is doing. The scripture says that the angel told Peter to get up quickly. And I think that there's a lesson in this, and that there will be times when God will tell us to act, that we are to act quickly and act precisely. I'm talking about being obedient, even when you don't understand all it is that God is doing. The angel said to Peter, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And the Bible says, and he did so. And then the angel said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. Last week we talked about the importance of obedience. And we see it right here in the life of Peter. I mean, what if Peter hadn't listened to what the angel told him to do? Like, what if Peter had leaned on his own understanding and thought to himself, if these soldiers catch me attempting to break out of jail, they're going to kill me? Which I think is a semblance of what we see many Christians do today, whom God has told them to do something, but they've allowed fear to prevent them from doing the very thing God told them to do. Church, can I just say something? Understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. If we try to live our life in such a way that we will only obey if we understand, then we're never going to experience the miraculous. We're never going to see God move in our lives in the way that he desires to move, in the way that he fully desires to move, whenever we have to just understand in order to be obedient. You see, watch this, guys. Faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's expressed through our obedience to God. When you talk about faith and obedience, watch. One cannot exist without the other. And I feel like that I just need to remind you that obedience to God is not optional for the Christian. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, then you will obey my commands. You see, our obedience to God is an expression of our love for God. It's proof of it, and it's a sign of our devotion to him. I just want to ask you a question. It's a challenging question. Prepare yourself. But in what ways have you been reluctant to be obedient to God? I, I encourage you to, I don't know, put that in the doggy bag and take it home and chew on it a little bit more later. But in your life, what is it that God's told you to do? It's something that we all need to ask ourselves that question and not just brush past it. All right? Could it be? I'm just asking, could it be that our lack of obedience is the result of the imprisonment and the chains that we often find ourselves in? Look, I'll be the first to say that I have disobeyed God many times in my life. I don't like to admit that, but it's true. 
But I'll tell you what I've learned from those times. When I didn't obey God, you know what had to happen? I had to go around the mountain again. Like when you don't deal with that Pharaoh the first time and you avoid him, you're going to have to face him again. Much in the same manner as the children of Israel who didn't trust and obey God and ended up having to spend 40 years in the wilderness when it should have been a 10-day trip to get to the promised land. Let's learn from their mistake. And let's learn from our mistakes. And let's trust that God's word knows best. Even if we don't like it, agree with it, or understand it. Because he is God and we're not. Peter's faith and acts of obedience led to his chains coming off. Putting to rest the power of those trying to hold him captive. And opening doors that only God could open. Let me say that again. Peter's faith and acts of obedience. Faith without works is dead. Peter's faith and acts of obedience led to his chains coming off. Putting to rest the power of those trying to hold him captive. And opening doors that only God could open. Now I want us to jump Acts chapter 12, verses 18 and 19. It says, now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. I would imagine not. I mean, can you imagine that? You wake up, you've already got a leader who's bloodthirsty, and here's a guy that he had plans, and you just messed up his plans, right? It says, after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. This verse here describes how God can caused confusion and frustration among the enemy to work in favor of his plan. I think it also serves as a reminder as to how God can cause the enemy to fight against himself, even whenever he thinks he's got the upper hand. Let's keep reading, verse 20 through 23. It says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat up on the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down, struck Herod down, because he did not give glory to God, did not give God the glory. And so then he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So at the beginning of this chapter, I love this. Look at the, the beginning and the ending of this. At the beginning of this chapter, we read about this man, Herod, who thought he had the upper hand, who had James, the brother of John, put to death, who had Peter arrested, probably with the purposes of having him killed also. And then when God set Peter free, Herod killed the men who didn't keep uh, Peter imprisoned. And now he travels to Caesarea, gives a speech to the people, and the people shouted that Herod was a god, and Herod received their praise as such. And what was the result? The angel of the Lord struck him down because he didn't give God the glory. 
See, I think this verse is a sober reminder that in anything that we have, whether it's talent, whether it's wisdom, whether it's strength or anything else, we're to remember that everything we do is for his glory. Look at me for a minute, church. We have nothing to offer him that didn't first come from his hands. We have nothing to offer that he didn't first provide. Every good, every good. You got something good in your life, you better thank God for it. You got the ability to be to work hard with your mind, maybe harder than others. Be thankful or you'll be like Nebuchadnezzar and that mind's going to lead you out to eating grass. Hello? You know the story. Go read it if you haven't. All right, that'll make sense. <laughs> Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. King David said it this way. Not to us. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Let me ask you something. Have you ever found yourself taking credit for something that God did? I think that today's story shows us that when we do that, we're sitting on dangerous ground. See, you and I were made to give God glory. And anytime we receive as our own what should be due him, we, in essence, position ourselves as God. And friend, can I tell you that God is not going to share his glory with another? The very first commandment teaches us, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, that also includes us. We're to never position ourselves as God. And if we happen to be the benefactor of some good thing, to God be the glory. Amen? Not to us. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. I guess you could say that Acts chapter 12 uh, represents three people. Peter, the church, and Herod. Peter found freedom because he trusted God. The church received back their leader because they trusted God. Herod received the praises of men and acted as if he were God, and as a result, he found death. Peter and the church continued to walk in life. Herod perished in death. Verse 24 closes by saying, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Mm. But of course it did. Because God did not send his word to fail, but he sent it to accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And I put such an emphasis on this point because I want you to know that God sent his word to accomplish his purpose in our lives, in your lives as well. So I just want to say to someone who needs to hear this, don't throw in the towel. Don't think that things are always going to be the way that they are right now. Don't believe the lie that you aren't talented enough, that you aren't smart enough, or that you don't have the right connections. And don't believe or don't think that you've exceeded your expiration date. Hey, the call of God on your life, it doesn't expire until you breathe your last breath. If you don't believe that, let me give you proof. Your pulse is proof that you still have a purpose. 
Are you following with me? I'm telling you, if God was done with you, you wouldn't be laying there alive or sitting there alive. Are you with me? Your pulse is proof that you still have a purpose. And if in your life there's something that you see that's not good, he isn't finished yet. I think this is the problem that we see with many Christians today in 2023. We count God out. We believe lies like, well, God's overlooked me. I must have done something wrong. Like if you believe that, friends, can I just encourage you to get your eyes off of what's wrong with you and fix them on what's right with God? Because newsflash, we're all broken. We're all messed up. We're all in need of a Savior. But Jesus came, and he paid the price that our broken, fallen, sinful life was in desperate need of because we couldn't pick up the pieces and put them back together again. Kind of reminds me of a nursery rhyme. Some of you probably remember Humpty Dumpty set on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. You know what? I always had a problem with that rhyme because you know what? I never understood. How come no one ever went to the king? Church, my point here is this. We need to quit turning to the things of this world in hopes of it putting us back together again. We have a king and his name is Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Come on, do you believe it? Do you believe that he's able to restore? Do you believe that he's able to redeem? Do you believe that he's able to take the broken pieces of your life and to put them back together? Come on, if you believe it, I want you to stand to your feet, and I want us to give God praise. Come on, let's stand. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We bless your holy name. Let me leave you with one last scripture, and then I want us to go into a time of worship. Just believing that the things that we're reading about in Acts, God's going to do it again here on earth, here as in heaven. It's going to happen here in 2023. Church, I felt a word in my belly that this is the year of revival. Now, what does that mean? That means that the church becomes revived. That means that we start, that, and, and, and by the way, can I just give something for a second? I'm sorry. Like, that means you've got to do something different than what you've been doing. We know the cliche, insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, but there's so much truth to it. We need to pray more. You need to pray more. It's okay to say that. I need to pray more. We need to spend more time in this word. We need to start conversations with people and quit waiting for that open door while that doorknob sitting there rusting. Hello? Because how long is too long before that open door is there? I mean, like, how long? Like, like some people have been waiting for 20 years for an open door. Next thing you know, you're attending their funeral. I know I'm being a little bold. I know I'm being a little strong this morning. But church, today's the day of salvation. Today, people are going to die. And they're not going to know Jesus. And you and I know Jesus. And it's time for us. And look. I know that some of you are saying, I'm broken, I'm messed up, I can't certainly go out and be used by God. No, that's the very thing that you need to do. Are you hearing me? Oh, somebody needs to catch this, because you're going to find your healing when you start stepping out to be used of God. Are are, are you with me, church? Isaiah 40, verse 8. Let Let me leave you with this. 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Church, the promises of God, they are yes and amen. His words are forever and ever. They are eternal. Church, may we continue to store up his word in our hearts so that we would not come up short of his purpose. And may we be obedient to do what God tells us to do both what his word tells us to do, but also what his precious Holy Spirit leads us to do. And may we never forget that God gets the final word over our life, over your life, over it all. Amen? Hey, listen, we're going to go back into worship, but before we do, I just want to ask, who is here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ? I want you to know, friend, that Jesus came from heaven to earth to pay a price that our sin demanded, a price that is far too great that none of us could ever pay, but Jesus paid it. He paid it so that you could be in right standing with God. He paid it so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be restored, so that you could be redeemed, so that you could find peace, so that you could find joy, and so that you could have the promise of eternity in heaven. And so I just want to ask, Who's here this morning and you are not in right standing with God right now? You're not in relationship with him. I want to invite you right now to make a choice. God's given us this thing called a free will where we can make the the choice. And the scripture says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve your boss? Are you going to serve the world or are you going to serve Jesus? So this is a call for those of you that have not made that choice. And by the way, if you say, I don't know if I want to make a decision right now. Well, you've already made a choice. Like, not making a choice is making a choice. Are are you with me? By default. But can I tell you something, friends? Jesus will give you what this world will never give you. I lived in this world for a good portion of it, not knowing God, thinking that I was enjoying things, thought that things were great. Let me tell you something. All this world has to offer is counterfeit. It's counterfeit for the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit of God is what we need. Salvation is what we need. And if you're here this morning and you say, I want to make that decision right now. I want to repent of the way that I've been thinking, the way I've been living, and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Friend, your life will forever be changed. If that's you, I want to ask you right now to pray with me. Saints of God, you can join in together, but we're going to all confess Jesus as Lord right now. For those of you that would say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to serve him. I want to know that I've got the promise of heaven by putting my faith in him. Joining me with this prayer. Pray it from the bottom of your heart. Pray out loud, Lord Jesus. I confess that I was born a sinner in need of a Savior. And so I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen.